For the past eight episodes of the Fahrenheit podcast, we've been exploring what lies beneath the surface of building your brand, of building your life, and accomplishing what you want. We're not talking about just the tactical tips or tricks or ideas of how to build your life, but we're diving into the emotional and dare I say spiritual side that connects us as people, as brands, and as businesses. When I first started on this journey of discovering how to interchangeably build your brand, your team, and your life, I immediately knew that I had to chat with Jonah. Jonah Faye Hurwitz is the head of strategy at Red Antler, a branding agency based in Brooklyn, New York that works with startups and new ventures. They are behind some of the greatest brands of the past decade. From Casper to Allbirds, they build culture, and they have been partially responsible for the new guard of brands doing things differently, more responsibly, more transparently, more connected, and more in touch with their audience and their communities. As a marketer, we often have to juggle contradictory ideas. How to build your brand versus how to grow your business. How to grow, but keep resources down and be more efficient. As people, we're often faced with forks in the road, seemingly different options or paths that could lead us to one place or the other. And as strategists, we look to make brands that are both relevant and also distinctive. These types of challenges, these tensions are ones that Jonah navigates every day as a strategist, but that we too as humans face every day in our daily lives. So how do you make a choice? And how do you create a focus in order to achieve really anything? It starts with finding your purpose. All right, we're in business. We are. We are in a great business. What business are we in? Let's start there. Tell us about your business, Jonah. I think that we're in the business of people. All right, dive into that further. I think that we're in the business of helping people live happier, healthier, more beautiful lives through the power of brand. (laughs) I was going to finish that sentence for you. Also... I knew I was excited coming into this today, but now I'm even more excited because I feel like we're really about to get into it. (laughs) I'm really excited to get into it. Keep going with that. So be like more literal. So tell everybody what you do. Jonah, why are you here? Well, that's a really big question. Why are any of us here? I'm here (laughs) speaking to you. I am part of a company called Red Antler, and we build brands for startups and also other companies that are bringing new, wonderful things to the world. I and the head of strategy for the company. And as the head of strategy, I work with all of our clients and founders, entrepreneurs to help them figure out who they are and what they stand for and their why in the world. Taking a product or service that someone has created and bringing it to a more meaningful place that goes beyond anything functional and speaks more to something emotional, a promise, a purpose. There's so many layers to what strategy, specifically in this capacity, although you could argue anywhere really means. What do you think strategy is? It's interesting also because it wasn't until many years into building brands that I think brand strategy became something that I, as a marketer, understood or even thought about. So I'm curious, How do you see strategy? What is it? And how did it come into your world? Strategy is such a tricky thing because strategy is invisible. Brand strategy is especially invisible. (laughs) (laughs) 
So strategy takes a lot of different forms. When I think about brand strategy, which is my definition of strategy, it is that foundational core of a business or, or product or service. And so it is at its core, how your business is positioned in the world, what you are offering people. And that core strategy, that core North Star is then what drives all of your decisions as a business, both creatively from a product standpoint, operationally. And it can be tricky because it can be kind of an esoteric concept because it is conceptual. But it's through that strategy that you then make decisions based on many different things. Decisions of what you're called, decisions of the products you create, the decisions around how you look, the decisions around who you partner with, the decisions around how you show up in social or what your digital experience looks like. It's your guiding light. It's your why. It's that element that defines you and tells people why they should come to your world. This might be controversial to say to you, but like, I feel like brand strategy, what I've learned about it is it's the last thing anyone wants to pay for and the first thing everybody really needs. And a lot of times I, as the marketer, am on the other side of it, tetherless, without a brand strategy giving me the guardrails or the guide. Nothing makes me happier than having the framework because within that framework is where I can find freedom and where I can help a brand bring to life that unique selling or value proposition of who they really are out in the world. Do you find that strategy is an emotional experience or journey in creating for people? Yeah, it's pretty much like being in therapy with your clients, (laughs) which I really enjoy. I think we both could be therapists in another life. uh, You know, I often think about becoming a therapist. And if I, if I think back on my life and other paths I could have taken, I definitely would have been so fulfilled in that kind of work. And I actually often think about if I were to have a second career, that's definitely an area that I would explore. So maybe in my next decade, I, I will sign me up. Sign, yeah, sign me well, up. I would, be, I would be honored to talk to you about anything. <laughs> but when we think about strategy, it's always the first thing that we do. Because if you don't have it, you're kind of screwed. You know, I think that you look at all the brands that people want to be, Nike, Apple, Disney, all these brands that are huge and are the role models for everyone are all built with a very, very core strategy and a very core purpose and mission and vision. I think that it's very hard. It takes time. You have to not rush it. And there's also no formula to it. Sometimes people want to test their way to a strategy. And the truth is you can't Mm. really do that because the strategy is so much deeper than that. The other tricky thing about strategy is sometimes people may have a vision of what they want to do or the value they want to bring, but their product might not match up. Someone might have a vision or really want to create something that's sustainable or that is giving back to the environment. But if they're making a product that's using hazardous plastics, that doesn't really work. So the strategy can be tough. It keeps you honest, which then makes choices down the line sometimes trickier. 
Should strategy inform your product or should your product inform your strategy? That's a great question. I think that they need to be linked. I think it's a symbiotic relationship. Sometimes the product comes first. Sometimes the strategy comes first. There are times when we're working with people and they come to us and they have a product. They have, it's all set, it's ready to go. And we look at that product and we think, what's the why behind this product? Yeah. You know, what, what exists beyond the surface? There are other times when someone has a vision for a problem that they're trying to solve and we build a strategy that then informs their product. So it's less about what comes first and it's more about ensuring that one is informing mm-hmm. the other and that your product is delivering on your strategy. Because there's nothing worse than a brand that comes out with a message that they can't back up. You see that a lot in corporate advertising. You know, we can think about like the highly generated you know, Pepsi ad. Yeah. Or unfortunately, Everlane really came under recent heat. Everlane, which is a brand that I love and think is just genius and has done so much good. You know, they came under a lot of heat recently for some of their internal practices that people did not believe were congruent with the values that that brand has stood on. And that idea of radical transparency and equity, all these elements, there were comments about people in the company feeling that they were not being treated fairly. And so when you have a really amazing strategy, you can be vulnerable because if you slip up, people are going to call you out. But it also then allows you to have a guiding light to get back on track. And I'm sure Everlane will, will get back on track. But that's where strategy can be yeah. Can can be can be difficult for some for some people. You have to you have to it really holds you accountable. As a brand, 100 percent I think the first place my head went to was like the old gas companies, you know, that literally like lied in marketing. But to your point, there is actually this new wave for no pun intended, radical transparency that actually isn't even something you should do. It's a must-have, it's a requirement because it is the way the world works information is everywhere. And so I think having a really clear strategy as a brand that you not just put on paper, but actually live and breathe and use as a pressure test to how you're operating is pretty critical. Do you think brands can survive today without it? I think they can survive for a short period of time. I think that you can get out there relatively easily as a company, but you can't have longevity without a purpose. Because brands change, right? Products change. People's needs change constantly, right? And the best brands are keeping up with that. But what allows them to have a consistent relationship is by having a consistent purpose. I feel like the evolution of your strategy does not mean in some ways that it changes. Your values, what you stand for, the mission or the vision of who you want to be and what you're trying to accomplish in the world, that's sort of like the pole everything else around it can swirl and can evolve and can shift and can change as long as you stay true to what you just called your North Star. When you see a brand, and you know, listen, obviously I have nothing but respect and love for Everlane. They're an incredible business and brand. When you see a brand like that sort of going off track, as a strategist, what reaction do you have? What do you think? With the Everlane example, I think that there was a small internal stumble. I think that for most people and most consumers, they probably didn't even know about what happened internally. 
and the press that came out of that. So I think that as a onlooker of these brands, I, I'm most excited when I'm seeing brands continue to shift and change and also stay true to themselves. Again, I think the best brands are ones that are always changing. When something like that happens, it's a small internal shift. It could even have been one person. But what it triggers to me is that brand strategy should play a role in your culture. To your point of pressure testing, brand strategy is not just this document and in some cases a line or a pyramid or a circle or an iceberg, you know, like all the shape, all the shapes of a brand strategy that can exist. That's not just a piece of paper. The piece of paper is actually, in my mind, the beginning. The hard part, well, maybe it's the beginning, it's your brilliant work, and then someone like me is taking it and saying, okay, how do I actually now live this? And it's really a challenge. It's a muscle. And as you grow and scale and have hundreds of people working at your company, how do you implement those strategies? How do you ensure that everyone knows that North Star? Internal culture plays such a huge role in a company's success and in a company's consistency of their strategy and what they stand for. It's like the secret sleeper. It is. It really yeah. is. Because it's also what keeps people motivated. Why is someone getting up every day and dialing into a Zoom? Hustling on those Zoom <laughs> as calls. We know, yeah. As we know, as we're going to an office. Yeah. But what inspires someone to join a company and keep going? And I think also having a clear strategy as a company and as a brand allows for internal innovation. Because mm-hmm. again, as you said earlier, a strategy provides you with an incredible freedom to explore because you're focused on a goal of a promise, of a purpose, of a why. And that why, that reason for being can be brought to life in a million different ways. We often say, stand for one thing and express it a million ways. Mm. And I think that when you have that North Star, that focus, it actually liberates everybody to explore and experiment. It also rallies everybody around a mission, a vision. And I think that that's when internal culture and, you know, I think having an amazing cultural, a culture team that's really ensuring that people are, are really thinking and breathing the, the values of the company can be so crucial. I have two really strong examples of this that just came into my mind. The first was at one of my organizations in the past, we were really challenged with like a bad PR moment. And we were like up, it was all the executives around a table saying, what do we do? How do we act? How do we respond? And of course the response was my job, you know, so I'm petrified. And I remember looking and saying, okay, the answer is in our values. Let's look to our values and pressure test these ideas against them. And one of the values really said, be real, be real and be open. And so we did. And in the end, we turned the sort of PR moment that could have been a nightmare into one where our customers were rewarding us for living our values. Did that moment happen? Of course it happens. There's going to be hell on wheels at every business. It's really in the how you react, how you respond, how you adapt, that I actually think your strategy as culture builder is so critically important. When COVID first hit, you know, one of the values at Fahrenheit, or I don't know if you can call it values, but something we say all the time was, is mobile and global. This idea that I had always been inspired by the world around me, 
traveling was a huge part of my career early on. And in my later years, I sort of became stationed in New York and I was losing some of that, I think, inspiration and energy that I was getting from traveling. So when I built Fahrenheit, I said, all right, we're going to be a mobile and global company. Little did I know that a year and a half in, my team would be operating on four continents. We're all mobile and global now. And there was a real moment where I said to myself, okay, no one on my team, I don't think was expecting to keep their jobs. For those who went to Australia or Europe or Guam, they knew that was a choice they were making. And I, as a leader, had a choice. Do I actually live up to my values? Do I actually stand up to my strategy here and say, I'm going to do what I said? Or do I maybe not work that muscle? And it wasn't easy, right? Operating on four time zones for six months was pretty challenging for us. But the amount of, I think, loyalty, engagement, and accountability that was created by me saying, all right, I'm going to live this. You better not let me down, (laughs) I think was pretty extraordinary. And it speaks to how strategy is, is culture. And it's about that trust, right? And it's about you reflecting back your promise. And that's what strategy is in a lot of ways. It's a promise. It's a promise to a consumer about what you're going to do for them if they support you. And it's all about that relationship. It's the same thing when you're running a company and you have people who are choosing to work for you. You know, how do you honor them and how do you fulfill your promise? And I think that when everyone can be aware, again, of what those values are, what that reason is, it just Mm -hmm. allows everyone to have a shared vocabulary and ultimately a shared vision. It also allows everyone to be working as one versus Farron's vision of what Fahrenheit is. Values open you up. That's why brands with strong values who express their values are able to create communities. They're able Mm -hmm. to create relationships because it's about that shared set of values. And it's about those moments of connection that reassure someone that they're making the right choice and who they're supporting as a brand. It's so interesting because I think a lot about how do you create community? And in the weirdest ways, I think community is created through three things that can come to my mind. One is the why. Why are we here? There's a shared vision or a shared reason. And then I think the third for me is a discipline, which is a really weird word to use. But Discipline in the sense of what we focus on and what we communicate and who we are. Do you find that discipline is a really hard thing for brands to live and breathe, right? Back to picking that one thing you stand for and communicating it a million ways. How do you create discipline? Do you think it's important? Yes, I think it's very important. (laughs) I think the word discipline feels restrictive and feels... It's a negative word. Okay, so what's a positive version of discipline? Focus, commitment, clarity. In all of my years of building brands, the number one thing that I think is lacking is that focus and clarity. And the best brands, the ones that I have been at that are so clear on who they are and have a commitment to your point of who they are, are the ones that are the most successful in creating culture, in creating community, and in creating a real stake in the ground of who they are. And it's ironic because some of those leaders to me are also the ones that I deem and think of as the most creative. Michael Kors is such a good example of like, to me, brand strategy 101. Like 
it was all about Jet Set Luxury. And I could express that through thousands and thousands and thousands of ways, experiences, strategies, digital plans, social plans, influencers. Like it was unlimited. It was so vast and yet it was so singular. And I feel like that singularity is really, really hard because it's emotional. I think there's a lot of ego in it because you see what other people are doing and it's really easy to be like, ooh, I want to copy that or I want to do that or I as a brand, we can do that too. Absolutely. I think that strategy and a commitment to your strategy is an act of bravery. So brave. I agree. It is. It's heroic. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. I think that it takes having confidence in what that idea is and just running with it and believing in it. And also recognizing that single ideas that are powerful are the opposite of limiting and are actually Mm. incredibly liberating. Mm. And so your example of Michael Kors Jet Set Luxury, that could be a million things. Mm -hmm. And so it's about how you interpret it. And it's about how you continually tie it back. And in the work that we do, the work that I do, my role is first to build that strategy and then to work with the people in my company to bring that to life through the design, through the digital experience, through the advertising, through the content, whatever it may be. And we're always linking it back to the strategy and what we're trying to communicate. But we're also ensuring that there are a tremendous amount of layers in the brands that we're building. And there are a lot of different ways at a certain idea. And that's not limiting. And when I'm writing a strategy or thinking about a strategy, I'm really ensuring that it feels open and broad enough. And when I'm first developing mm. a brand strategy, I often don't know what it's going to ultimately look like. You know, I have an yeah. idea, I have a concept, I have a sort of strategic concept, but I really try not to have anything specific in my head because I want to see how people are interpreting that. That's where the creative expression starts. Totally. I want to see all the different ways people think an idea means to them. And I think that even today also, what's incredibly important is you have a strategy that people can interpret it, right? I mean, you look at social, you look at influencers, you look at the way in which people are now embodying the brands that they're supporting, there needs to be enough openness in the idea for everyone to have their own interpretation of it. It's so interesting because people ask me all the time, what's the silver bullet? And I'm always like, you're not going to want to hear it. Because the silver bullet to me is a radical dedication and confidence in who you are with the ability to continuously innovate, learn, evolve, and have no ego with the things that your customer proves to you that you're wrong about. That is not in any way tactical to your point. Like it's what we said in the beginning of strategy, like it's hard to wrap your head around. It's hard for people to understand why they need it. But the truth is, if I could say anything that in my career has proven over and over again, and forget my career, the brands that we talk about a lot and that are in our world, certainly, you know, Jonah and I work together in New York in a similar startup environment. And you have the marquee direct-to-consumer brands of the last decade from Casper to Glossier to Away to, I think, and Hope Sweetgreen would be considered one. And all of them, I think, have one thing in common or two, maybe. Great product. 
and a radical dedication to who they are and who their customer is and really with no apologies about it. Yeah, completely agree. What you just mentioned about the great product is so key. Sometimes people think that like a brand will save your product and that's not true. No. You know, and so when we're looking at who we're fortunate enough to work with, we are always wanting to really understand what is the product and how is it different and how is it delivering on a consumer need? The product is often the inspiration for the strategy in the cases when this product comes first. But I completely agree that that radical dedication to who you are and what you stand for is what makes you successful. It's also what makes people successful in their life, right? Mm -hmm. It goes way beyond strategy and brand building. Look at people that we admire. Look at our role models. Look at the people who have made history. They all have a commitment to themselves and their beliefs. And it often takes many different forms. Part of where this Fahrenheit podcast started was a little bit of like an aha moment that I had around how brand strategy was really no different than personal strategy, if you will, and how the way and the frameworks that I apply to building brands are really no different than how I build my life. And in fact, I have way more discipline when it comes to building brands than I do. Okay, forget discipline. I have way more of a commitment to building brands than at that time I had to my own life. And I went on a bit of a journey, like, how do I define my vision? How do I define my mission? What is the emotional territory I want to live in? What are my values? What is my North Star? And really, even creatively, how do I express that into the world? Do you think that there is like an interconnection between brand strategy and what we can call today your strategy? Absolutely. Partly because brand strategy is inspired by humanity. When we're thinking about building a brand, we're working to build soul into something that is inanimate, right? A product or service. So when we think about mm-hmm. building a brand, the exercise is learned from understanding what makes people people and what makes certain people people that people want to follow and people connect to. So the construction of a brand is kind of like the creation or construction of, 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 a, of a person in some ways. Mm-hmm. So I think there's absolutely connections. I think that for people, it's less about your strategy and it's more about your purpose. Nicer language, I think, mm-hmm. than thinking about someone having a personal strategy. And I think that the biggest connection in strategy from your life to a business is that set of values. And I think that in the same way as a brand, having a core set of values help driving how you live your life, I think that people are the same. And I think that when you also allow yourself to believe in a set of values or commit to a purpose, I think that your life opens up. I think that when you don't have a purpose, you don't have a strategy in your life, either you end up following a formula of your life and it's usually someone else's formula that Mm -hmm. you're looking at. You know, you're getting married, you're getting a promotion, you're trying to kind of go into the steps. You know, maybe your life looks really great on the surface, but 
on the inside, maybe nothing's really driving you. Or on the other end of the spectrum, you have, you're just kind of a mess and you're not making decisions based upon anything other than being in the moment. And so when you have that internal compass, your life opens up because you have a focus and you know what you're driving towards. And so you can take risks and you can explore because something else is in you that's keeping you rooted. You know, it's like, it's like traveling the world, right? It's like when you have that sort of strong sense of self and strong mm-hmm. sense of pur- purpose, you can go anywhere. You can be global and mobile. You don't need anything to outwardly signal stability. I really resonated with what you just said. This idea that like not having a purpose could either leave you following others or being in this indecisive place. It actually, to me, first of all, I can relate a lot to that right now. And I think for many people during this time and COVID and the landscape around us, I can imagine like myself, people are struggling with those societal constructs and lack of clarity personally. And it also, to me, it was really reminds me of brands, of brands that are like, okay, let me become a carbon copy of this brand because I know it worked and I'm not going to do that work and that have that commitment. I'm just going to follow that lead or I'm going to be paralyzed in decision-making, paralyzed in creating clarity and not make any choices and then try to be everything to everyone. So whether you're a brand or a business, a person, professional, where would you start? Because right now what we're talking about is actually sort of purpose more than it is to your point strategy. So if you were helping someone define their purpose, where would you begin? I think that you need to begin with exploration and introspection and maybe not being so focused on finding your purpose, Mm. but more so allowing yourself to reflect on what has been good in your life and what have been the moments that have felt real and natural to you. Mm. And thinking about the decisions you've made that have been good and the decisions you made that have been bad and beginning to see what's driven those decisions. And that's really something that I recently discovered in a really interesting book, actually, that's called Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty, who's a former Mm -hmm. monk and a really interesting guy as a podcast. And he talks about purpose and not about brand, not in the brand sense at all. But I think that he says to, you know, think about your top three best decisions and your three worst decisions. Begin to see what those drivers were and whatever was a bad decision, those are not your values. And whatever was a good decision, those definitely probably were. And so I think that you find your purpose by exploring and by asking yourself those kinds of questions and by relaxing Mm -hmm. into it all. I think that we all feel so much pressure to have a purpose and live a big life and make a big impact. And I think that can be really stressful. And I, so I think that also part of it is just relaxing into what feels good in your life and what makes you feel alive 
and the places in which you get lost in and discover something in. But I'm much better at this with brands than people. But um, I think that in the same way with a brand, like you can't do your strategy overnight. You know, all this stuff takes time. And that's especially true with your life. And I think that people want answers. We all want direction. We all want a sense of purpose. And I think that the way that you arrive to your sense of purpose is through living and through exploring and being open. I think one of the things that I've been learning on this Fahrenheit journey is to do less. I am like a maniacal doer. I am in a constant state of perpetual movement, always feeling like I have to be productive when really the last few podcast episodes have been more about being reductive. You know, the idea that to build a strong strategy as a brand or a purpose as an individual really just starts with taking a step back, taking a pause, taking a moment. You know, what you just said and you were saying, think about a time in your life when you were at like your, I don't know what you said. You didn't say best, but immediately what I went to was like a flow. It immediately just changed my whole demeanor. And you actually kind of calmed me down. You know, this like running from meeting to meeting all day, every day. How on earth can you define your purpose or your strategy when you're running on a hamster wheel? And one of the things I think as a strategist that you get to do when building a brand is you actually do get that time. Like you go off and probably go through your beautiful mind process of sort of mapping together the world behaviors, ideas, trends, cultural inputs, historical inputs, artistic inputs that can make up really a psychological approach to a brand. But we as people, we don't often take that time. Definitely not the type A listeners that are on, you know, on this ride with me out in Fahrenheit. Just that act of sitting down and saying, okay, when was I at my happiest? I had Musa, who I believe you know on the podcast, Musa brought up a moment of my life where he was like, as your friend, I knew you were in a flow. And that flow, as an example, was definitely when I was traveling more. God bless her 20s. And part of saying, okay, I want to bring that mobile and global spirit back into my life was because I recognized that I was in a flow. Now, by the way, I don't know half of the other things, but that's an area I figured out. That's an area I've created clarity on. Listen, you got to relax into it. Yeah. You know, you have to find that flow because when you're in those moments, there's no resistance. Mm. There's so much resistance in the world within yourself as well. And when you are in those moments where it all is just sinking together, that's when you're in your most natural state. And that's also when great things happen. Creativity happens is when you are in those flow states, right? I mean, there's science behind all of this. I think that the whole world of the hustle and the drive and the ambition and rewarding that kind of manic growth is no longer really resonant anymore in the world. And I think that all of that like hustle culture came out of the recession Mm. when 
there was a need at the recession and also a huge change from a tech standpoint in terms of everything going online, especially from a commerce standpoint, where you needed kind of that constant hustle to make something happen. It was so much harder, I think, back then. (laughs) It was so much harder to even launch a brand, right? I mean, thinking about how hard it was to launch a brand, think how hard it was for Warby Parker to do what they did in whatever that was, 2010, right? Compared to now. You could turn on a brand in 24 hours. Don't tell us that because we build them. But. Well, it will definitely be a shitty brand. That has it'll a be a terrible brand. It doesn't last. Yeah, hire yeah, both of right. us. Yeah. So like that whole like hustle culture of, again, needing to really just like aggressively behave and act and grow, I think is over. And I don't think that people at all feel that anymore. I don't think it feels good anymore. And I think that we're now sort of coming out of that era. And I think that it is a time for less. And I think that there is a misconception that less is less. You know, less is more. I mean, that's such an obvious cliche. But it also, doing less is also more. Is also more, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. Because when you're going, 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 like, what are you really doing? Are you doing anything other than appearing to be busy or productive, productivity, does, do we, does anybody have a real productivity issue? Is that what makes people successful, being really productive? No, I think what makes people successful is doing what they love and coming in with original ideas and new solutions. And accomplishing the goal, which being productive is really more of a path towards accomplishing your goal. If you want to think of it that way, the goal shouldn't be to be productive. And I can actually say that's definitely an area that I struggle with, right? Feeling productive or I have been, and maybe it was because of the time that I started my career, which was right after the recession and feeling like I had to kind of claw my way a little bit. You know, we talk about this a lot, but I had six years of unpaid internships. And by the way, I am grateful that I was in a position while at NYU to be able to do that and be able to have unpaid internships as a part of my life, I wouldn't change it for the world. I hustled like a maniac. I still think that hustle is like in my blood, you know? When the reality is actually what I believe truly and transparently will get me to the next level, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, personally, and professionally, I have to slow down. Strategically, that is the shift that I know that I have to take. But it's really easy for me to, one, do what comes naturally, what I instinctively feel like doing and instinctively think feels good, and also to kind of mimic the societal framework before when we were talking about how there's like a little bit of that pressure from society that we as both brands and people feel. It's like, oh, I could see what other founders, agencies, entrepreneurs women are doing and feel like I'm not enough comparison will kill you, right? When in fact, it's actually the confidence or the conviction to say, no, I'm good. I'm doing enough. I'm doing exactly purposefully what I want to be doing. Absolutely. There's no better way to run away from your life than lean into productivity. (laughs) Thank you for telling everybody about this. (laughs) I'm always like, how much more real can I get on this podcast with everybody? You know? Yeah, it's true. I think it's true. I think that productivity is a wonderful distraction Yeah. for what you really want. 
I feel like the times in my life when I've been the most productive have been the times when I've disliked my job the most. Mm. And listen, there are different kinds of productivity. Yes, we could unpack totally. There's good and there's probably being driven by a wrong reason. Correct. There's toxic productivity and there's positive productivity. Yeah, there's like I'm super energized and so excited about what I'm working on. I can't stop thinking about it. But in those moments, I feel like you're not even thinking about being productive. You're just doing it because you're in it and you're in the flow. The reason you also have to slow down is because if you don't slow down, you're going to miss out on stuff. Like you're not going to see other opportunities Mm. because you're going to be too focused running and you're going to literally run past other options and other opportunities that may be even more fulfilling. So a key to finding your purpose and building your brand is to slow down. Who knew? (laughs) For someone who's on this journey and feeling purposeless or as a business, trying to define a brand strategy and being like, what the hell are these two talking about right now? What advice would you give? It always starts with questions. Being curious. Your self-questions or asking your brand questions. You have to begin by investigating as a person, yourself, your past, asking why you made certain decisions asking yourself when you've been the happiest, identifying the things that you've done that have been because of others versus yourself or have been because of external factors. And I think that for a brand, you have to begin by really spending time with the people you're hoping to serve. Mm. You have to spend time with your consumers, whoever those people are, speaking with them, understanding them, going where they go, joining the communities that they're a part of, shopping where they're shopping, reading the books they're reading. You have to to live the life of your consumers in order to serve them. And as a brand, that is who you are serving, is the people that you are hoping will, will find you valuable. I wonder if you have a moment that you think of as a flow. And for anyone out there listening, taking a moment to pause right now, and maybe close your eyes for 30 seconds and see what moment comes to your mind and without judgment of that moment, right? Just letting yourself feel and see what immediately comes to you as a moment where things for you connected. answer mine while you think. When Jonah was speaking before and he was talking about those moments, those magical moments, the first thing I thought about was the first time I ever arrived in India and I was on a train by myself and I remember genuinely crying thinking how cool is this world and honestly how little of it I had ever seen. And I think for me what that moment really represents was there was this sort of like balance of independence, exploration, curiosity, and adventure that were really prevalent in that part of my life. When I think about me at my most connected or energized, 
there's definitely something there that I'm going to explore further and try to tap into. I think for me, I'm in a state of flow when I'm learning something. Mm. And I think that I am naturally an incredibly curious person, which is why I love my job so much. And I remember at different parts in my career when, and specifically at, at Red Antler, when I have just become lost in, in a topic and just felt so excited to learn and to understand different people and to understand different, different ways in which the world works. This is like so corny, but I was recently on a call with a, a very, very big retailer, the client, and they were talking to us about their pricing strategy. And I was so just in it. In it. <laughs> and they were talking about how they price and how they discount and moving, pro- whatever mm-hmm. it was. And it was like, it was so boring to everyone else on the call, but I was just panting with excitement <laughs> because I was learning something. I literally felt my brain expanding mm. and I love learning and I, I'm such a curious person. And it's interesting because I didn't love learning in school. In high school and college, I was not focused on learning. I was focused on succeeding mm. and getting good grades. Oh, same. And I will tell you, I don't remember a single thing that I learned. And after, I hope my parents don't listen to this because they'll be <laughs> very <laughs> appalled to hear that I didn't That's learn anything. That's way out of the bag for me, yeah. But learning for me started after college. And it, it started for me when I was really learning about new innovations and new solutions and new products and, and new categories that I really, really turn on. One of the things that drives me is learning and curiosity. And again, it doesn't matter if I'm reading a book or learning about a new pricing strategy. <laughs> it's that thing that's in me that is obsessed with expanding my mind that makes me feel in the flow in all sorts of different places and ways. Even just watching you talk about it puts a smile on my face and you can feel that energy shift. And I think that is what brands and people should be tapping into is finding that moment of authenticity, of vulnerability, of truth, really leading that with conviction and with confidence. And I have to say, I love love, love, love every time you and I talk. And I consider you someone who I constantly learn from. So thank you so much for this conversation and for being open and weird and vulnerable with me today. Feel like there'll be a part two of this at some point. Happy to. And thank you so much. I too learn from you. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for what you're doing and everything that's to come. Trying to find my flow, you know? It's in you. (laughs) For those of you who want to learn more about brand strategy, although you've probably had enough, check out Red Antler and the amazing work that they do. And for those of you loving the Fahrenheit podcast, we want to hear from you. Check us out on Spotify, Apple, Google, or Instagram. Leave us reviews, ratings. Tell us what you think. We would love to hear from you.